Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. This is the Run Line, VSIN's premier baseball betting show. With Adam Burke, here's Ben Wilson. Welcome back in. It is our number two of VSIN's newest baseball betting show, The Run Line, here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We're back from downtown Las Vegas, Circa Sportsbook Studios. We've got one eye on this Sunday night baseball game as we wrap up a shortened week one of the MLB season. Red Sox, Yankees, we're expecting like a six-hour game, Adam Burke, because it is these two teams as always. We're probably going to get an over here. This thing closed eight and a half, but Anthony Rizzo, who I know you would have loved to see your Cleveland Guardian sign uh, in the offseason, back with the Yankees for his first full season in the Bronx and has had a big day today. Two-run single to tie this game at three. Red Sox had led by a 3-1 margin, but now we're back at a 3-3 game. Yankees are back to the favorites, and that was with runners still on there, that minus uh, 210 money line. I'm seeing it down uh, more like 150, minus 150, minus 155. But Adam, a live total here of 10 and a half. This thing went off at eight and a half, and both starting pitchers, each of who you liked, Tanner Houck, Jordan Montgomery, they've each uh, gone out of the game, neither of them making it uh, into the fifth inning here. Yeah, both guys struggling a little bit with their command in this one, and that happens early on in the year. You know, that's why I, I try to tread as lightly as I possibly can. Something I want to mention here really quick, so Boston goes to Detroit and plays a 5-10 first pitch tomorrow. And the Yankees wind up hosting the Blue Jays here tomorrow night. Alec Manoa and Jamison Tyon in that one. Matt Manning and Michael Waka in that game in Detroit tomorrow. So Boston's playing this late game. The bullpen's going to, what, how pitch three and a third, I think? Yeah. So the bullpen's going to take at least five and two thirds in this game, probably, unless the Yankees don't have to hit in the bottom of the ninth. We could end up with extras, something like that. So you got Boston getting out of town late, having to use their bullpen here. You know, obviously any game against the Yankees is, is definitely one you get up for a little bit. Kind of starting to look towards the Tigers tomorrow with Matt Manning on the bump. Just uh, kind of an initial thought here for me. And that is something I've tried to consider in the past before. Uh, like when the Cardinals and the Cubs play, for example, on Sunday Night Baseball, like the Cardinals are awful coming off of games against the Cubs. So those are things you can look for. There aren't really situational spots for the most part in Major League Baseball. But that is what I kind of tend to take a look at is Sunday night baseball, the quick turn, right. how far away you're going and all of that. You know, Boston goes up to Detroit where I'm sure the weather's going to be poor as, you know, it always is. I'm a Great Lakes guy. I know. Uh, so, hey, you know, walking kind of guy here, you yeah. and I, you, you and I, you both, we know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, and, and lines are starting to come out. Our final segment of the show uh, later on this hour, we'll give Adam, get to Adam's thoughts and some of the other games as well. All the lines except Adam, the Washington Atlanta Lines are out for tomorrow. That's because Nationals are uh, currently undecided 
on a pitcher as of right now. I'm seeing uh, Boston very short favorites on the road. You can get uh, Matt Manning and the Tigers plus 100, I'm seeing. That's uh, right at even money, the best you can do. So maybe an angle uh, to look at tomorrow. So Red Sox we'll might get a break, though, because it looks like a uh, significant chance of rain in the forecast. Oh. So that one could get wiped out here, especially with Tuesday looking nicer. Maybe they just play a quick doubleheader on maybe Tuesday. Maybe they see. just accident. I don't know. I and mean, that, I mean, I'll tell you what, that's frustrating, too. You know, when because, you have a spot like that and it gets right, blown and, not, up. and not only that, but also, you know, it's the start of the season, right? You're, you're trying to handicap as many things as you can because there are so many different moving parts early on in the year. For somebody like me, I don't have this season's data to work off of because there isn't any. So you know, you're going off of last year's data. You're kind of reading the reports from spring training. A guy added a pitch. A guy subtracted a pitch. Whatever the case may be. You know, it's hard to dedicate time to handicapping these games that look like they're not going to be played. Yeah, exactly. But it's also a great opportunity, at least in my estimation, to take Detroit maybe. So, you know, it's just uh, what are the many things that comes with the grind of handicapping it, baseball yes. daily? And long season, 162 yeah. games per team. Many more days than that for us as betters. And yeah, we'll, we'll see if there's anything else that catches your eye. I'll hear a little bit later in the show. We do, before we dive in, we are going to spend – uh, a segment each show talking about one division specifically. We'll start with the AL East tonight, which we'll do shortly with the Red Sox and Yankees playing right now on Sunday Night Baseball. Did want to discuss a few more guys, new faces and new player and new uh, in new places. Just get your kind of quick thought reaction, Adam, to uh, some of these guys and your long-term thoughts on them for the season. I'll throw one more picture at you because you you gave an outstanding a nugget to me off air, Carlos Rodon, who goes to the Giants this year. We were talking about. The White Sox and how limited that rotation looks like now with two of their top starters right now out and Rodon out of town. Uh, 12 strikeouts in five innings in his uh, Giants debut with that series against the Marlins this weekend. Pretty impressive start for him. Question is always health with Rodon, but looked pretty uh, pretty good with the, with the numbers. I, just a little bit. I would say. I would say he looked pretty good. Uh, Codify Baseball actually tweeted this out here this morning. A great follow on Twitter, by the way. It's C-O-D-I-F-Y Baseball. That Carlos Rodon... The 17th start in Major League history with at least 12 strikeouts in fewer than 90 pitches, which is just absurd That's efficiency, mind blowing to say the yeah. least. And you know, look, I, the Marlins' offense, I think, is a little bit better than than people give it credit for. Obviously, it won't perform all that well at home because it's a very good pitcher's park. But man, what a dominant performance from Rodon, and they lost the game two to one. So again, it just kind of speaks to the, the the inherent variance of Major League Baseball, where Pablo uh, Lopez pitched just as well. And the Marlins' bullpen was just a little bit better than the Giants' bullpen. The Giants do take two of three in that series. You see the Marlins, those, uh, those fourth odds in the NL East this year. But uh, the Giants take two of three in the Bay Area. A few hitters as well, because that was another big part of the offseason. Corey Seager had, had, was the guy who was paid the most money by anybody in free agency this year. Pretty uh, good start for him with the Rangers in, in a series north of the border that had uh, runs aplenty. Corey Seager, six of 13, a couple runs driven in. Certainly looked good, and, and with him back to full health, Adam, Rangers are certainly hoping with all those offseason investments, they, he can lead them out of the cellar this year from the AL West. Yeah, Marcus Semien off to a really slow start, batting 0-77 in that series where 43 runs were scored between the two teams. But Semien, Seager, they also picked up Mitch Garver, a mm -hmm. guy who hit 30 home runs for the Twins a couple of years ago. Uh, that Rangers lineup actually looks pretty good. The pitching staff looks anything but good. So this will be a stone-cold over team for me. Again, very interested to see what happens with them at home. It's not a good offensive park factor. They were one of the teams that did have a humidor prior to this season. So we've already seen some data with that. It did help the ball carry a little bit better in 2021 than it did in 2020. You remember, like, they had the playoffs there, and it was like 
guys would hit absolute missiles that would die 20 yard or 20 mm -hmm. feet short of the warning track. So last year, offense did pick up a little bit in that ballpark with the humidor. So maybe that'll be the case again this year. But that Rangers offense looks pretty good with Semien and Seager at the top. It's just they're probably going to give up, you know, six plus runs per that game. I feel can like. be yes, can be an issue. They avoided the sweep today. Did win twelve six, giving up six runs Jays. by the way. Yes, uh, right on, right on your point. Uh, but do lose two or three in the series. Five of the nine in their normal starting lineup on, on a daily basis. Adam, all newcomers, either free agency or trade acquisitions this year. Couple other uh, hitting pieces. The one everybody is well talking about, even though Seager was your guy who got the most money. Freddie Freeman goes to the Dodgers, and in a series where uh, the Dodgers were just kind of expected to, you know, roll in, go to Coors, just be, just, just be a team scoring ten runs a game, didn't go totally to plan. They were more than two dollar favorites today. Julio Urias uh, was was shelled right out of the gate. They lose nine four and lose the series uh, two two of three to the Rockies. And Freddie Freeman had his struggles in Coors, just uh, two of eleven. So. Off of all the reports we got out of Atlanta where Ronald Acuna Jr. and uh, Ozzy Albies basically calling him out for not being a great teammate, goes to L.A., disappointing opening weekend series, just two hits, not the start Freddie Freeman Adam was uh, hoping for, to say the least. No, definitely not. I mean, Freddie Freeman will hit. I I'm not really worried about that. I'm not worried about anything with this Dodgers lineup, to be totally honest with you. But I'm glad we brought this up because I am worried about Julio Urias mm. today. Velocity down, spin rates down dramatically. And this is a guy who's coming off of, or no, just velocity down. His spin rates were actually okay. Um, Walker Bueller had some decreased spin rates in his first start. But the velocity was way down. Fastball velocity down almost three miles per hour year over year. And I get it. You know, it's early on in the year. Maybe these guys aren't going full bore. I know Shane Bieber had some spin rate decreases and velocity issues for the Guardians in his first start. So I don't want to read too much into it. But at the same time, those are really worrisome trends for a guy in Urias who had a big innings increase last year. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they took they finally took the kid gloves off of him. They kind of let him go. He was great. And I've got a piece of him to win the Cy Young this year. But but this was my concern was the durability coming off of that season. And again, not to hijack the segment here, but you know, look, we talk about pitcher injuries, right? 2020, a shortened season. 2021, back to the long year. You yep. had minor leaguers that didn't play in 2020 at all. Then all of a sudden, they come up to the major leagues in 2021, throw 100 innings, something like that. Now you can't talk to coaches and trainers in the offseason. You go right into spring training. You've got, what, two and a half weeks. Then you start the season. Uh, you know, these things with, with guys like Urias and, and some of these other pitchers, these are not going away, Ben. I'm, I'm really worried about pitcher health throughout the course of the season. And it, you mentioned, too, the humidor earlier, who, like again, the past, if we were having this conversation you know, five, six years ago, we'd be saying, all right, well, it's Coors. You know, it, it, it's, it is. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds. It was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna, like that's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call Podcast on Deadline. 
is a one-off. But even though the park factors are all, always going to be just a, you know another notch above everywhere else, at the same time, those things you talk about, th- that still applies in every other park. And it's not like you, just because you are in Coors one start and you have you know, some of those numbers that you talked about decrease, not like you expect them to just magically be back to normal numbers in four and a half days time, essentially. Right. And, and my hope would be, you know, one of the things I've held against the Rockies for a long period of time, they have a very small analytics department. They actually had a mass exodus in 2020 of a lot of their analytics people leaving. When your park factor at home is such a huge advantage, but such a massive disadvantage when you go on the mm-hmm. road, how do you not have the biggest analytics department in the entire <laughs> league? You would think there's I, just I a big blinking sign right around Coors saying, analyze me. Come right. on, let's go. So, I mean, look, maybe maybe they've figured something out to kind of hold the Dodgers at bay here in this series, or maybe it was just one of those things that happens in Major League Baseball. We'll have to see. I, I'm confident the Dodgers will hit. I'm not worried about that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, obviously kind of a – Uninspiring start to the year hey, for them. Chris Bryant, 412 this weekend, couple of runs in a, in a weird offseason where the Rockies basically said, Yeah, we're selling everybody. And then they paid a ton of money to right. Chris Bryant. So, yeah. So, but, I mean, he'll hit there, obviously. I've, I think so. I think he's going to hit. It's, it's just like we're going out in a hunch be. saying that. Yeah, right. Yeah, of course. Uh, as, as we saw some of those interesting performances, there weren't, you know, we'll, we'll do a segment as well where we'll talk about some of these overreactions we could potentially make. But honestly, there's not a, a whole lot of them to get into because outside of really the Dodgers and the Brewers of the perceived elite teams, not a ton of teams really struggling at a hardcore level uh, this weekend. Dodgers, they'll lose two of three in Colorado. We'll talk about the Brewers and their starting pitching woes here in a little bit as they lose two of three on the north side to the Cubs. When we return, though, we'll discuss AL East, our first divisional breakdown of the season. Well, where are those teams at? We've already talked Red Sox and Yankees. We'll talk the rest of the teams in that division when we return right here on the run line. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. We roll on right here on the run line from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Sunday Night Baseball underway as we get set to talk some AL East. Adam Burke, Ben Wilson with you. 3 3 games still as we play in the bottom of the fifth in a game are over under Adam on uh, when this will end. Approximately 11.42 p.m. Eastern time. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. We're probably on pace right now. Bottom of the fifth, Sunday Night Baseball. A 3 3 game there. Red Sox and Yankees. Your live line as it stands. Yankees minus a buck 70. Red Sox plus 125, I'm seeing the other way. 10.5 is your live total. This thing closed at 8.5 with the Yankees about $1.40 a pregame favorite. With the rest of the AL East, though, we've, uh, we've had uh, these discussions, and there's some of your other live odds courtesy of DraftKings. Talked about the series for the Red Sox and uh, Yankees so far. Yankees won on opening day with a Josh Donaldson walk-off single in 11 innings. The 4-2 win yesterday. Basically, our big takeaway from both of these teams, Adam, was... When you had a Yankees team where starters went a combined 10 and a third innings pitched, allowing eight combined earned runs. And the Red Sox, they had Nady Evaldi was fine. Five innings, three earned. Nick Pavetta, five and two-thirds, four earned runs. And the short outing uh, tonight from Tanner Houck. Neither starter tonight, Houck nor Montgomery, got uh, past four innings. Thinking maybe these could be teams to fade tomorrow is kind of the short-term thought. But long-term, we both feel these are going to be teams, as you see your odds board in the AL East, that will be right there. Uh, when we get here uh, into October, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you, you know, you've got six playoff teams in each league now, and, and it really wouldn't be the most shocking development if all three wildcard teams do come from this AL East division. I mean, they're favored to do so. Right. I mean, look, it's just, it's strong. 
You know, yeah. all these teams are strong in one way or the other. Uh, you know, look, obviously, too, and there's a ball hit really well, and that's going to drive in another run, perhaps. Look, the, the thing that's really challenging, I think, about this division is which team is going to stay the healthiest? You know, again, I, I keep harping on that, and I understand that, you know, look, it, it's something that's not exactly hard-hitting analysis, but the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton's hitting everything hard right now, absolutely everything hard. As long as he's in that lineup, he's a huge factor for them. Same thing with Aaron Judge. You know, the same Boston. You know, how long is J.D. Martinez healthy? Because he's a really important piece behind Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers. You know, the Rays, right? They kind of need every hand on deck because offensively they're not as good as the other three teams in this division. So for them, it's the pitching injuries that you have to worry about. It's really just when you've got four teams that are, are kind of grouped together, and I know that Boston had a lower win total and has the longer mm -hmm. division odds. Right. It's really just about who stays healthy and, and who doesn't. And We'll, we'll have to wait for a while for that to play out. Yeah, uh, Glaber Torres hit uh, his first hit of the season. Double moves Giancarlo Stanton to third. So Yankees in business. Second and third, one out, bottom of the fifth in a 3-3 game. A team that looked very impressive, but albeit against very weak competition. Two teams within the division this week. Rays, Orioles. Rays sweep the O's. You, you just you feel bad. Like our guy Josh Towers, who made his big league debut with the Orioles in 2001. He was in your seat last week, Adam. I know he's already tweeting angrily about how can you possibly put this product on the field if you're the Orioles front office. They score a grand total of four runs in three games, get swept uh, with the, the last game today being 8 nothing. But for the Rays piece of this, was it not everything you ever expected with the Rays and the combination of their, tr you know, their traditional theology from a front office perspective combined with what we're seeing in early 2022 with that shortened spring training where – Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, and Corey Kluber all looked fantastic as starters. None of them go five innings. And it seemed like the most raised way to start a season where they grind out to really well, sharply played, low-scoring games, then get the 8 nothing win today and get the sweep. Well, that's what the Rays do. And I think this is a really important point to make about Tampa Bay. At home, they play and win low-scoring games. On the road, their offense is much more aggressive. When you look at their K percentage and their walk percentage in home games, both are higher because they're kind of working counts a lot more. They're not nearly as aggressive as they are when they go out on the road. When they go on the road, that's where they really try to hit for power, kind of exploit their platoon advantages and all of that. At home, they just want to win three to two, four to two, yeah. five, three, something like that. They're perfectly content with doing that, and they're very, very good at doing it as well because they have so many above-average pitchers, not only in the rotation but also in the bullpen for them. Look, the, the Orioles here, John Means pitched well. The other two yeah. starters didn't like that's just going to be the story of the season for them until Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall actually make their major league day. Well, Hall pitched a little bit last year, but until they get to the rotation and get a start every five days, that's what we're going to deal with with this Baltimore pitching staff. It's just not good beyond John means they traded their best reliever right before the start of the season in Cole Solzer. So there's going to be a punching bag. It is what it is, but Tampa Bay Shane McClanahan pitched really really well in that opening day start he only went four and a third because he threw almost 70 pitches but he struck out seven he had all kinds of swing and miss stuff he looked like a guy capable of making a jump for this season and health will be the question for him if his if his body's able to hold up to it but he and I know it's the Orioles I get it but he looked yeah. really impressive in that no, start I, I love him in a dynasty fantasy league I did not keep him only because of my the perceived innings limits with him and they just don't let him go deep very, that was a very hard decision for me to make because I love him as a pitcher, but it's why I, I didn't want to have a piece of him at you know very popular AL Cy Young long shot at eighteen to one. 
I just don't know how many games he's actually going to win and how deep he's going to go in games when he is getting a ton of swing and misses early in games, getting to 70 pitches in the fourth inning, and in this case, uh, four to third, gets pulled. Corey Kluber, though, I mean, he was solid. His numbers weren't uh, quite as good just from a control outlook where he walks four but does get through four and two-thirds earlier today unscathed, and Rays certainly have invested in him, staying in the division, coming over from the Yankees. Again, we say all this with the caveat of, yeah, but it's Baltimore. Despite that, though, Adam, I mean, it was a good good start for Kluber to begin his Rays career here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, if any team can milk something out of Corey Kluber, it, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, look, they're just, they're brilliant with everything that they do. They're just very, very smart. They're just, when they sign a guy like Corey Kluber, you think, what is it that they see that they feel like they can take to the next level? And, and the thing I really like about Kluber's start here today, 12 swings and misses. You know, the velocity was down a little bit. You're going to have that with Kluber now just based on the workload. But, you know, they use that curveball and that cutter. He threw those two pitches 65% of the time in this start. Yes, it was Baltimore, but that's something that he absolutely should do. One of my biggest issues with him when he was with the Indians, even with as good as he was, you know, winning a couple of Cy Youngs, his fastball is just a very average pitch. The cutter and the curveball are the two separators for him. If he's going to throw those 65% of the time for the Rays throughout the course of the season, he's going to be really, really good. And that's just what Tampa Bay does. Right. And considering, too, Rays get the A's for four games at home uh, this week, who are in total sell mode. They lost two of three in their opening season series at Philadelphia. Meanwhile, just poor Baltimore. Uh, and like when Jordan Lyles, who was basically a longer lever for the Brewers last year, is your number two starter, it's, it, this is what is going to happen. But they go. Uh, they host the Brewers and then get uh, then have three with the Yankees. So six games that do not look very good for Baltimore uh, coming out coming out of the shoot after losing three straight to the race to start uh, this 2022 season. Um, it's it's just you feel bad. And, and to to put this kind of in perspective with Jordan Lyles, when you look at the the betting market over the last three yeah. days, virtually every underdog has been bet because underdogs get bet early on. The feeling is that you know some of the good teams are kind of. Uh, overvalued perceptions a little bit too high on them all of that you know one game where the underdog didn't take money it was when Jordan (laughs) Lyles was on the mound Uh, he's just he is a guy that the market absolutely cannot stand and now he's on a bad team with a below average offense Uh, there will be a lot of money bet against Jordan Lyles as Mm -hmm. the season goes along regardless of what the price is five earned he gives up in five innings on seven hits Uh, there's all there's always enough and already enough uh, headaches you, you have to deal with as a daily baseball better so well, there's always those things to worry about. Trying to back Jordan Lyles this year for the Orioles is not one of those you want to add maybe to your list, just our, our piece of advice here on the show. Uh, we also want to discuss the, the, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays. That's the other team here in the A at least. What a crazy uh, series it was for the Jays who win two of three from the Rangers. They win on opening day 10-8 after being down 7 nothing. As we talked about earlier, that was your candidate for bad beat of the year in week number one where if you took Rangers first five, you're up seven, nothing in the fourth and you don't win that bet. Uh, but interesting to see Jose Barrios get shelled. And again, it's the whole, like it's one start. It's an ace, but when you don't get out of the first inning, there's always room for concern there. A decent start from Kevin Gosman in game two, three earned across five innings. Hyunjin Ryu was shelled today, six earned in three and a third. The good news though, and we expect a lot of offenses here out of Toronto, Adam, that top five guys in the lineup, Springer, Bichette, Guerrero Jr., Hernandez, Gurriel, uh, drove in 10 runs combined in the first two games, and it certainly appeared to be clicking on all cylinders uh, right out of the shoot here. Yeah, and I wrote about this in today's daily piece, and I didn't have a, a bet on this Rangers-Blue Jays game, but Springer, Bichette, and Vladito were 10 of 24 
with yeah. nine runs scored in the first two games. And, and that helps, you know, when your top guys get on base, that sets up the inning for everybody. So that was a really important thing for the Blue Jays in this series. The pitching, look, I, I think it was just one of those days for Barrios. I didn't see anything with velocity or spin rates that concerned me if there was an injury situation or anything like that. But the Ryu thing is concerning because mm. Ryu last year did not have the same level of command that he's had throughout most of his career. He's a guy that kind of had an innings bump a little bit. Uh, the Dodgers typically, you know, kind of went six-man rotation or protected him a little bit. That's a guy I'm concerned about long-term. And, and if you're going to fade anybody on this Blue Jays rotation, he may be the guy that you want to go against. Interesting. And look, this also shapes up to be a, what we talked about, yes, no, first first, mm -hmm. uh, first run inning. Could be Especially tomorrow, Blue Jays take on the Yankees. Really interesting series. Yankees coming off Sunday night baseball. Could end at mm -hmm. like midnight Eastern. Could be, could be an interesting one tomorrow with that top of the order uh, production. We'll talk more about the Monday slate here in a little bit. On the other side, though, we'll start our breakdowns. We'll look at one team of the week, and we'll start with last year's World Series champion to begin our breakdowns on tonight's show as we talk Atlanta Braves and talk some first-week overreactions here on the run line. You found Visa's premier baseball betting show. This is the run line. We are back on the run line here from Visa and the Sports Betting Network with Adam Burke, Ben Wilson, with you as we uh, we have an interesting swing, turn of events going on in the Bronx Sunday night baseball. We keep tabs on that here throughout the show. We'll do that every uh, Sunday night that we're on here from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. But the Yankees had second and third, one out in the bottom of the fifth after uh, Glaber Torres doubled a deep right. Looked like they could have easily sent the, uh, the runner all the way around from first in Giancarlo Stanton. They did not. And uh, pop out on the second out from Aaron Hicks. And then uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa strikes out swinging. So the Red Sox get out of the jam. And then you get Bobby Dahlbeck starting off the sixth inning leadoff bomb to right center field. And it's 4-3 Sox as we go to the middle of the sixth. Adam, I'm seeing Red Sox now minus uh, 160 here live. Total still pacing a couple runs over. This was an 8.5 total. We're at seven runs right now through 5.5. Ten and a half here is your live total, but uh, talk about a big swing for a Red Sox team that has gotten out of a couple of uh, pretty big jams tonight, trying to avoid that sweep tonight in New York. Yeah, really big swing, and again, these developments that just keep happening in this game, uh, keep me, you know, have me looking at at the Blue Jays and the Tigers tomorrow against these two yeah. respective teams. Now, of course, the Yankees are fortunate because they played Toronto at home. We know that there are some players that are unvaccinated for the Yankees. When they go to Toronto, they may not have the services of those players because of the, the vaccine rules and regulations up there in Ontario. I know that's something that's been talked about quite a bit, uh, but that series is in the Bronx. So at least they'll have everybody, you know, all hands on deck. But, you know, again, you've got to start looking at bullpen usage with a team like the Yankees here, 10 and a third from their first three starters. Jamison Tyon, not a guy that works particularly deep into games, two-time Tommy John guy. You wonder if he's ready for the start of the season. Could be another quick exit for a Yankees starter. So even if maybe you don't play the Blue Jays pre-flop or something like that, mm -hmm. could have one of those in-game situations that we've been talking that's, about. That's why we love you, Adam. You're, I'm, just, I'm just trying to watch a baseball game, and you're like, all right, I'm fading this guy tomorrow. I'm already thinking in-game for the next day. That's why we have you on as the expert on this show. I will say it, it, it makes it kind of tough sometimes to enjoy just being in the moment because, yeah. you know, I'm always, you're always, I'm always thinking, thinking ahead. Three steps ahead. Bro. Right. No, I, feel, I mean, I try not to do that because I'm not that smart, but. I, I get, I get where I have you're to coming work, from. I have to work that hard to try wow. and be that smart. It's all, part, all part of the process. Uh, we will discuss at our next and final segment some of the games on the Monday card for you as we get your week uh, off and rolling here on VSIN. Do you want to discuss, though, Well, as we talked about earlier, we will every week pick a team, kind of a team of the week, 
that warrants doing a deep dive on. Obviously, because this is week one, we've only had four games, a max for some teams already down. Can't go too deep and don't have a whole lot of sample size to go off of. So we figured we'd start with last year's defending World Series champion, the Atlanta Braves. Played a very interesting series with the Cincinnati Reds, splitting a four-game set, losing on opening day with a struggling start out of Max Fried, who had a rough spring training at him, was not sharp at all, and was hit pretty hard. Five earned on eight hits and five and two-thirds on opening day in a 6-3 loss. Did get, uh, did get a bounce back in game two, but nearly blew a seven-run lead. Kenley Jansen's debut with the team did not go well. Gave up three runs all in the ninth. They had to survive that game 7-6. Then got a 2-1 winner after Kyle Wright was unreal. Two, two hits, no runs allowed in six innings. Then, tough one for Ian Anderson today. He was rocked in just two and two-thirds innings, losing 6-3. to three. Matt Olson goes 7-13. of 13. The guy to replace Freddie Freeman in the lineup. So there were positives on the offensive side. A total mixed bag on the pitching side. You saw the uh, the odds there a moment ago. Team that is getting a lot of future support in the market. What did you make, Adam, of a very scattered up and down opening week here for the Braves? Yeah, scattered to say the least. I mean, look, you know, something that I think is really important to point out about the Reds, while they don't have Sonny Gray, while Luis Castillo is still on the injured list, this is a team that really put a significant investment into developing their in-house pitching talent. You know, they, they hired Kyle Bodie of Driveline Baseball, who's no longer with the team, but they really focused on increasing strikeouts and increasing velocity and, and just the caliber and the quality of the stuff from their minor league pitchers. So you saw a guy like Hunter Green come out today and look really, really good. He throws very hard, touches triple digits with regularity. You know, for the Braves, I think it was just one of those series where maybe they ran into some guys they weren't super familiar with, didn't really have a book on a lot of those guys. And also, too, something about the Braves here, and they have had some relatively slow starts to the season over the last few years. Their offensive philosophy is predicated on hitting the ball in the air for power. It's not super easy to do that at this time of the year because the ball doesn't carry as well. The ball doesn't travel as well. Obviously, as I mentioned, I'll keep going back to this until we have enough data to figure it out. You've got the humidor now. That's going to change the way that the ball flies in some of these cities. So, you know, for Atlanta, I, I think that there may be some, some growing pains and some bumps in the road for this team this season because of their offensive philosophy, because of how deep their pitchers had to work into the postseason last year. I think there will be some opportunities to fade Atlanta here in the early going. I don't know if they'll be this week against Washington at home, but then after that, they go on the road and they play San Diego for four and the Dodgers for four early West coast trip. Mm. I do like those. They can galvanize a team. You get away from home and the kids and all that. You just go out with the boys, you know, you, you go take care of your business. You go out to team dinners, all of that. I do like the early season, long road trip. Maybe that's something that will be a benefit for them long-term, but this is a team where their offensive philosophy doesn't really jive with a lot of the weather that you're going to get. With that being said, if it's warm in San Diego and L.A. next week, then that's something that may be a little bit more beneficial that, for them. And that's such a fascinating angle. I know, not, not wouldn't think most people would even you know, think of it that way. I think the thing most people think of when they look at an Atlanta team, at least if you're talking about betting them early, it's you have no Ronald Acuna Jr. for the first month plus. Mike Soroka still going to be on his way back. Not sure of his timeline recovering from that Achilles surgery from last May. A bullpen that, while it is appear, certainly on the surface, the strength of the team, bunch of guys who are on the 60-day IL right now, like Luke Jackson, Kirby Yates, Jay Jackson, who gave them big innings uh, in, in, the, in the past. Luke Jackson, the one returner from last year, but two other offseason signings in the uh, Jay Jackson and, uh, and Yates as well. And it's an interesting strategy where Brian Snicker starts out six-man rotation, clearly wanting to rely on, on the strength of the bullpen, where like we'll see Huascar Yanoa, Tucker Davidson, guys you know, way back-end starters, even for a team like, uh, like Atlanta. 
not exactly guys that scare you when, when you're facing them. Do you worry at all just about the fact that, like, yes, on, on one hand, you have a great bullpen, and that is the strength of your team, one of the best in baseball. Is it a possibility that you over you overstress them, though, early, especially with some of these guys on the shelf still? Yeah, I certainly think it's a possibility. I mean, you know, you had Charlie Morton coming back from the fractured leg that he suffered in the World Series last year. You know, maybe Mike Soroka comes back at some point. Ian Anderson's a guy I really like. I just need to see that command actually take a leap for him this year. Mm -hmm. But it's one of those things where, look, outside of Morton, everyone in their rotations under 29 years of age, Soroka as well, if, if he winds up getting back here, they've developed a lot of talent that's been grouped together. So I think it is a team that's deep enough and definitely talented enough to kind of navigate some choppy waters. I, I wouldn't be totally shocked if they're 20 and 20 through the first 40, something like that. And then all of a sudden they kind of take off a little bit in the summer months where the ball carries a little bit better. They get some guys back. They get a little bit healthier and all of that. I think for right now, they could be in a little bit of a tricky spot, but I do think long-term to me, they're still the best team in this division. And I know that they were the favorite. A lot of people like the Phillies with their offensive additions. A lot of people like the Mets with their pitching additions and all of that. I still think the Braves are the team to beat in this division. I just don't know if we see it right away to start the year. Well, and look, remember last year and at least where not a single team won 90 games in that division. You could have gotten any of the any of the five teams at a at least three to one or greater price at some point last year. So your strategy on Atlanta, let's see if those rocky waters turn out to be true, could represent some value their futures market as as we get in here. That seems like the logical uh, takeaway from from all this. Yeah, I would think so. And and also too, again, I mean now they play Washington, and you know for Washington in the top half of that order is so good. The bottom half of that order is just remarkably bad. So, you know, for, for the Braves who do have a lot of pitching talent, if you can get, if you can hold Soto to, to one for four or something like that, right. you, know, you, you can kind of navigate around Nelson Cruz who hit a home run today. If you can kind of navigate around those guys a little bit, then you give yourself a really good chance. And that's the difference between these two teams. The Braves lineup is solid one through nine. Even if they bring in their right-handed bats, their platoon players off the bench, it's a solid lineup one through nine. Washington does not have that luxury at all. They do not. They are the Washington Nationals, and they are at the bottom of the, of the NL East uh, futures. You see the numbers there for the Atlanta Braves. And again, we'll do this with a different team each week that we feel is interesting and, and bears doing a deep uh, dive on. Real quick, because we could have, at least my initial thought was maybe we could do a whole segment, Adam, on just overreactions from the opening weekend of the season. There's actually not a ton, though, to really overreact to because the, the bad teams look bad. A lot of the good teams looked solid in one series. One thing I wanted to get your thoughts, though, on you're pretty in, in our last minute of the segment, Brewers starting pitching, where you have a top three guy, a top three guy rotation who is perceived to be the best in baseball. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Beralta Adam combined 12 and two thirds innings, 13 runs earned runs allowed, 11 walks, just 12 strikeouts. You concerned at all after each of those guys struggled mightily as the Brewers were very fortunate to not get swept, lost two of three here to the Cubbies. Very concerned because, I mean, Burns and Woodruff are two guys with exceptional control. And Peralta's a guy that made a leap last, really in the short season in 2020, pitched well last year also, although they did limit his innings late in the year. Those are guys that typically don't walk people, and they had no control whatsoever in that series against the Cubs. Weather could have played a factor. It was very cold, probably tough to grip the baseball. So maybe we overreact to that a little bit. Okay. I think Burns and Woodruff will be just fine. Maybe this speaks to the fact that the Cubs lineup is, is actually as good as I think it is. And maybe, you know, better than a lot of people think. Interesting. Corbin Burns is what? 
58 batters without a walk to start his last year. Yep. Walk the first batter he faced. And I think the Brewer, those three guys combined for something like 80 or 90 pitches just in the first inning alone. Mm-hmm. Like it was a, a brutal uh, start to the season. So anyway, I, as a Brewer fan, I hope it's over. Uh, we have our final segment still to come here on the run line. We'll talk Monday slate of action as we wrap things up next. Since Premier Baseball Betting Show, this is the run line. Get everything you need to bet on baseball this season with 24-7 streaming, daily best bet emails, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19 hour. All digital MLB guide at Beeson.com is available now. And Adam Burke, who is sitting right next to me, about five feet away, has futures, team previews, and best bets for all 30 teams, plus Jason Weingarten's MLB futures, bets, trends, and more. If you sign up today, you get full access to VEASAN through the NFL draft for only $19 at VEASAN.com slash spring. It's been a lot of fun. Show number two here on the run line with you every Sunday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, leading into the look ahead. We've got our guy Greg Peterson coming up next. Adam, great to have you on the desk for the first time. We had Josh Towers here last week, and uh, we encourage you, tweet us at Skating Tripods for one Adam Burke and VEASAN Live with your... As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Questions every week. We'll, we'll talk about some of these here in the final segment. We'll also get to our MLB Monday Previews for the uh, the new week slate uh, at Larry Walter 72 asks us, Adam, what do we think about the total on Royals and Guardians tomorrow? Seems like an under could be intriguing. As we look at our Monday pitching matchups, Aaron Savali versus Carlos Hernandez. This is actually the first game on the card with a 210 Eastern start time and actually a wraparound series to start us off. So the fourth of a four game set Royals take the first two. The Guardians win today, putting up 17 runs. I am a big Savali a fan in general as a uh, one of the better fourth starters to me with some of his underlying numbers. Eight and a half is the total here with the overjuiced. Uh, th- this comes down to a uh, guardian just scored 17. I think some people publicly uh, public betters are going to think, all right, that's got to regress after the terrible offensive display in games one and two does though really come down to your handicap of Hernandez as a pitcher, especially if we like, <laughs> if we like Savali, but two kind of have to go together if you want to bet a full game under here. So what are your thoughts on, on this Hernandez-Savali matchup? Yeah, I do like Savali. And something that they talked about with Zach Plesak in spring training was getting more strikeouts out of him. And Savali, one of the few stats that does matter when you talk about spring training is strikeout percentage. And Savali did strike out 13 guys over 10 innings. And he's a guy who, he's got great stuff, great command. He's got a four-pitch mix. He can be very, very effective. They just wanted to get a little bit more swing and miss out of him. And I do think that that's a possibility. As far as the total for this one goes, Carlos Hernandez is kind of a pitch to contact guy. He does have some walk rate issues. 
Uh, the Guardians are a team that puts a lot of bat to ball. They shouldn't strike out a whole lot as this season goes along. So I think it's kind of tough from an under standpoint. Uh, I lean with the Indian or the Guardians, I should say, in this game. Uh, but as far as the total goes, look, you know, it, weather forecasts matter so much. You know, neither one of these bullpens strikes me as being all that great. If you are interested in a first five play here, um, or an underplay, I should say, maybe you go for the first five, but also too. Getaway day unders are things that a lot of people like to bet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is a weird wraparound series. You don't get a whole lot of those. Uh, so no concrete thought on the total for me, but a little bit of a lean toward the Guardians. All right. 12 and 5 last year for uh, for Savali. 384 ERA. Uh, we'll end it like a near uh, 8K per nine rates over the last uh, two seasons combined for Aaron Savali. Again, that's an eight and a half total. That starts your MLB card for Monday. You know, you were looking at a couple of scheduling situational spots. Also, for what it's worth, weather 68 and pleasant in Kansas City tomorrow. So, uh, should be good to go there as we get a little bit of a warm-up in the Midwest after some brutal conditions here in opening weekend. Uh, what do you think as well? You mentioned that that Boston-Detroit uh, matchup. We're seeing some early movement. A couple of shops taking money here on Michael Walker and the Sox. So, you can get maybe a better number here on Matt Manning and the Tigers. I know that was an angle you're looking at from a scheduling spot. Uh, Tigers about plus 103, plus 104, the best you can find. Yeah, and look, I'll say this. I mean, the Tigers are, are relatively right-handed heavy. If they face an above-average right-hander, they're not a team that I really want any part of. I don't think Michael Waka is an above-average right-hander. Now, he did have a velocity boost in spring training. Maybe that's something that will benefit him. I don't know. But I look at Matt Manning, and something I think is really important to keep in mind is, and especially now at this time of the year, when you talk about sample size, you know, like, for example, Chris Bubik today for the, Gar or for the Royals, right? He just gets shelled. Jose mm -hmm. Barrios in that opening day start gets completely blown up. You get these ERA killers, right? And they're very hard to come back from. The thing for Matt Manning last year is, yes, he had a 580 ERA, did have a 462 FIP, should have fared better than he did. His left on base percentage was under 62%. So he got unlucky in terms of the timing of hits that he allowed. But the thing for Matt Manning is he had four horrendous starts out of his 18 starts that accounted for a lot of the runs that he allowed. In most of his other starts, he was pretty decent. He's got a big ballpark here on a day where the ball probably won't be carrying a whole lot. This game may get rained out, so I'm not sure it'll make mm -hmm. my cut. But I do think that, you know, with Boston spending so much energy in this game and Manning and Waka being you know, fairly similar, I think, in terms of projectability, I, I may end up on the Tigers for tomorrow's game. All right. And look, that uh, it bears watching, too, how this Boston-New York game ends as we go to the bottom of the seventh there, Red Sox-Yankees. Red Sox trying to avoid that sweep and currently lead at 4-3 as we uh, we go to the bottom of the seventh. Our last look at a live price for any of you uh, trying to get involved on that. Looks like Red Sox minus a buck 50 to 160. Nine and a half now with juice to the under is that total. Total was eight and a half there. So that might, uh, that'll be a sweat for totals betters either way. So we're at seven runs going to the bottom of the seventh. There are updated odds via DraftKings. As far as some of the other games tomorrow, let's also just stick with the, uh, the team the Yankees play as well. Alec Manoa, a guy getting a lot of buzz, made his major league debut last season in Yankee Stadium and had some good numbers. The expectation, Adam, is that he takes a leap in 2022. I'm certainly investing in fantasy, season-long fantasy, other areas for Manoa. Not going to bet him tomorrow. I'm just, again, in a season debut in a hitter's park like Yankee Stadium, even though he's had success there. I want to, I want to, and that's what my approach is early. Just see how these top-end starters look early in their first starts, but taking a guy in Jamison Tyone, who we don't, Expect to go super deep opening this series. It's about a pick em. Uh, Most shops here, total of nine tomorrow. Manoa and Tyone, Blue Jays and Yankees. 
Another missile off the bat of Giancarlo Stanton, by the way. Another 115-mile-per-hour batted ball. Um, Who owns the hardest uh, batted ball exit velocity in 16 current MLB stadiums all time. Unbelievable. Absolutely insane. Incredible. Uh, So, look, the thing about Toronto is they're going to hit. And I don't think it matters who they face. They're probably going to hit in that matchup. Obviously, Yankee Stadium is a place where the ball does travel pretty well. It's a very small ballpark and all of that. So, the thing for me is... If you like Toronto, I think it's a first five play because their bullpen is is very concerning to me. They did not pitch well in this series against the Rangers. Um, you know, they are just not a formidable unit, I don't think. Maybe that changes throughout the course of the season, but for right now, still a lot of moving parts, still a lot of concerns with them. The Yankees, of course, their starting pitchers, as we've talked about already, have not been particularly good. Now they face another good lineup here with that short pitch count. They're going to bring a lot of relievers into the equation for this game. It's one where the total is is you know pretty big up there at nine. We'll have to see what the weather forecast mm-hmm. looks like in the morning for this one. But uh, I think if you like Toronto, it's got to be a first five play, and and I wouldn't be totally shocked if we see a lot of runs in this one. For as much as I love Jordan Romano as a closer, the the act of getting to Romano is is kind of the challenge bridging between starters and that initial bullpen piece uh, for Toronto. So we'll see how how that one goes. You mentioned the total of nine. They're seeing a little juice as you would expect. Uh, to the over at a number of shops and about a, a minus 110 pick them on each side. I hear for Minoa and Tyone. A couple others that I know of uh, have jumped out to you, Adam, as we've taken a look here. Some of these early line moves up uh, for uh, Monday. Fifth starter for the Padres, who win three or four of their season opening series. They go on the road, go to the Bay Area to take on two and one San Francisco. Alex Wood off of his fantastic 2021. Uh, anywhere from a dollar 33 favorite to as high as a dollar 45. Martinez, who has not been to the big league since 2017, coming back from Japan. He is the fifth starter for the Padres. Eight and a half your total. And I know you, you think that might be a little cheap on the uh, the price you got to lay there with Wood and the Giants. Yeah, I think it price might be a little bit cheap. Alex Wood is exceptionally underrated. When If you look at his numbers, the only problem that he's had throughout his career is his ability to stay healthy. You know, his numbers are very, very strong across multiple stops and multiple teams, too. I think he's a very, very solid starting pitcher. And, of course, the Giants – have gotten good starts already throughout the course of this season. They're one of the smartest organizations in baseball. I think they're a little bit uh, low of a price here in this game against the Padres. And I'll have to look into Nick Martinez a little bit more, see what he did over in Japan, see if some of it will translate to the big league level. But I just feel like this number is, at first glance, a little bit low here on the Giants, who I know they didn't really score much against the Marlins, but the Marlins have some excellent pitching. So I'm not going to hold that against them too much. We talk about overreactions. The Marlins pitching staff is solid. So I'm not going to really worry too much about the fact that the Giants had some issues offensively in that series. And looking at, again, we always say shop around. DraftKings uh, already up to minus 145. Early money coming into the Giants tomorrow. Circa right behind us. You can walk over here, get on your apps, and uh, you can grab the San Francisco Giants minus 133. Uh, other other matchups that uh, catch your attention, Adam, we'll get one more here on the way out. Uh, Rockies in Arlington, home opener for the Rangers tomorrow. Rockies, you intrigued here as a, as a short uh, dog about, I'm seeing plus 119 or so? Yeah, a little bit intrigued here. Taylor Hearn was not good as a starter last year. He was definitely better as a reliever. He was very poor as a starter in the innings that he had to swallow for this team. Probably not going to work deep into the game. Rangers have a bad bullpen, a bullpen that got a lot of work in that series against Toronto. Colorado is not a good road team. That's why this price is where it is. They always have a losing record on the road and generally a very big one at that. But Austin Gomber, a guy that keeps it on the ground, a lefty, you know, I, I just feel like maybe this price is a little bit too high on the Rangers who I, I just, I don't have a lot of belief in their starting staff. I, yeah. 
That is a kind of an ugly matchup on paper when you consider the anemic road team of Colorado from last year uh, against the last season's 102 loss Rangers. We'll see. Anyway, Adam, this has been a blast. And we'll do it again fun. next Sunday. It's quick. It, time Very flies quick. and you're having fun. Thanks to our producer, Brian Ortega, from behind the glass. For Adam Burke, I'm Ben Wilson saying so long on this edition of The Run Line. Coming up next, Greg Peterson and The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN.